Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 78. Today, I'll be interviewing Jennifer Gennari, author of the middle grade novel, Muffled. Jennifer is the author of Muffled, a junior library guild selection, and my mixed up Barry Blue Summer, a Bank Street Best Children's Book of the Year selection and an American Library Association Rainbow List title. She teaches at the Highlights Foundation, volunteers at 826 Valencia as a writing tutor, and serves as the Marin County co-coordinator for the San Francisco North and East Bay region of SCBWI. A graduate of Vermont College of Fine Art, she lives on the water in the San Francisco Bay Area. And to learn more about Jen, go to her website, which is um, Jen... (laughs) Ganary.com. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here today, Jen. I'm really excited to talk to you about your book, Muffled. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really, so the, from the moment I saw the title of the book and, and the picture of the book, I had to have it. I was like, that is a book I want to read right now. Um, so I'm really, and I, I think actually also, I feel like the art to the cover is very captivating. There's something really, really cool about the picture, uh, the actual cover. If we Um, can give a shout out then to the uh, cover artist, it's Javier Perez. And if you follow him at Cinta Scotch on social media, he does amazing um, animations um, and he takes photographs of found or real things and puts them with art. So I was very honored to have him on the cover. Yeah, it's really it's, it's, it's wonderful. So I think the first question I wanted to start off with just, you know, what inspired you to write the book Muffled? And then a quick synopsis for anyone listening who hasn't heard of the book or like maybe just saw a little bit on social media or another website and they want to learn more about the, the character and the story. Thanks. Yeah. Um, So Muffled is about fifth grader Amelia, who is a reluctant trombonist and an earmuff wearer. Um, She's sensitive to sound, um, but she has to learn to play an instrument, which she sees that as like making noise on purpose. It's a story about how Amelia navigates school and makes friends and steps outside of her comfort zone on her own terms. I also like to tell younger readers there's a pet fish and a subway ride to the Boston Public Library. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in here. Um, so what's, what inspired me to write this book really are two things. When I was a child, um, I lived in Boston, and there was a huge blizzard that stopped all the traffic. And I really will never forget the quiet. The snow was so deep. It was like days before the cars came back on the roads. So years later, I wondered, what if silence wasn't just nice, but um, necessary? So by then, I had met my husband, and he is a highly sensitive person, and he shares some of the attributes I gave Amelia. Quiet is something he needs to recharge and to be able to participate in a noisy world. And so I began to imagine Amelia and what it must be like to live with a sound sensitivity. 
Yeah. And I, I just, I, I love that the character, I felt like when I was reading the book that I was like inside Amelia, that I felt the, the things that she felt. And I could also, and I, one of the things too, I think we're all sensitive to different things. Some people thrive in like, let's say ladder environments and some people thrive in more quieter environments. But I think the difference is the, the level of how much we could tolerate it. And for Amelia, it was actually like almost like really like very uncomfortable for her to be, to be around different sounds. Um, so that's, I think, and the way that you explain that sensitivity, I think is really, um, I, I think is really accurate. It just feels like you could really get a sense of it. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about was just, you were talking about your husband, but what I would love to talk more about is also the research that went into the character development of the book. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I was really influenced by um, The Highly Sensitive Child by Elaine Aaron. Um, and I, I did also read The Quiet Book by Susan Cain, but it was really the book about The Highly Sensitive Child in which we're talking about, she's talking very specifically about those kids who need um, to just, uh, to, to have that time to process after they hear sounds and it isn't, and they're just a range of experiences that they have. Um, and then I also shared a draft of my book with a therapist and, and a special education teacher who work with those kids. What they told me is that it's very common these days for kids to wear the noise canceling headphones in the classroom. And that that is a way that a lot of kids are coping with classrooms, which have, a, there's a lot of stimulation that happens in a classroom. Right. Exactly. I'm actually just like, as a speech pathologist, it's one of those things is also like helping kids to advocate for what they need. Um, so actually it was just a situation today that I had where we were in a noisy environment. And I know that a particular child does not like loud environments and makes him really upset. So I was able to just model like uh, loud, uh, uncomfortable, um, and that I like quiet and it feels calm. So I moved to a quiet place and he was able to work and it was, you know, it's, it was great. But, um, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't read that book, um, but I think it's, you know, it's definitely great resources. Um, and then also like collaborating with like a, the special education teacher, um, and I, I do, I do see, like, I do think that also one of the things I want to talk about with the headphones and the story is it wasn't just about, she started with headphones, um, and then she transitioned to wearing the earmuffs. Um, but I, what I also liked was the story between her and her parents and how her mom felt one way and her dad felt another. So I thought that was also really interesting and kind of what went into that about the relationship um, with Amelia and her parents. Yeah, I really wanted to focus on that because sometimes parents love you, but they don't understand you, you know? And for me, it was so clear that mom loves Amelia, but she didn't understand why, you know, Amelia couldn't just put aside the earmuffs and make friends. So I felt like that was a, a, a subplot that I worked on quite a bit. Like she already has that quiet connection with her dad. He also could easily get overwhelmed by sounds. And so he would teach her like fun things to do, um, the counting and like looking at birds or concentrating on other things. 
But mom, it took a mom a long time to come around to understanding what Amelia needs and to respect what she needs. But I wanted readers to know that she loved her, even if she didn't understand her. Right. And I think also one of the, one of the other things too, I feel like as Amelia, as I read the story, is that she really began to learn to advocate for herself. Um, and that she also learns that, you know, let's say a parent may be ready for their child to go to the next stage. But I, I always feel like until that child is actually ready themselves is when you're going to see some change. Yeah. That's really where, I mean, we saw the change is that when Amelia decided that she was ready to try it. And right. I think it's also goes back into that word of being courageous, right? Like I always think about that wonderful book, Courage, but um, like kind of those everyday courage, kind of acts of courage. Like, so for, for Amelia, it was a little bit scary to think of not having, let's say her headphones or trying something without her earmuffs, but right. she, she decided to be brave and to try it. And, and it's okay to be, and I think that's one of the things as parents is that we could tell our kids that sometimes things could be uncomfortable, but doesn't mean that they're bad. Yeah. It means that we have to continue trying and beginning to, and sometimes we do have to desensitize ourselves to certain things. I mean, I know coming back after the pandemic, um, that's another huge thing. I mean, that that's for all kids, right? Coming back, you know, you're, you're at home most of the time, or even if we've gone back hybrid or we've gone back, um, certain kids go certain days and the other kids go other days, less kids in a class. And then all of a sudden, all the kids are back and it could be very overstimulating to all of a sudden go from like just a couple of kids to having a lot of kids in the class. Yeah. So that's like another thing that I think we should consider that it's, it's great when we could get all back, but that we may see a spike in being a little more sensitive. It's a little bit noisier. Right. Actually, there's some statistics about the decibel levels in classrooms and it can be really high. And apparently in urban areas, if you've got like a subway going by, that sound can really rattle the kids in the classroom and disrupt their learning process. But getting back to being brave, Amelia, for me, the using music, I really love music and I love singing. And so using her like experiences in like a choir setting where you really do stand, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And it's like a lot of people singing loudly and that bothered her. And then she tried the flute. And I really just had so much fun with the trombone. My daughter played the trombone and, um, and it has that fun mute at the end. Um, but it also means the kids can be a little farther apart and, you know, there's not as many kids in the trombone class as in choir. And so I just felt like it was a way to her to slowly, slowly, try something new and, and adapt. And I also think it's about that, you know, maybe the first time you try something, you're not going to always love it. It's okay to make it, to make, to like, let's say decide not to do something and to make another decision. I mean, she really switched a couple of times before she found the right thing. And I think that's, that's right. a good lesson that we don't always have to maybe stick with the first thing that we try. That sometimes it takes two or three tries before we get to something that we enjoy. Right. Especially for a young kid who is sensitive to sound and who knew that the trombone would be, would feel like that sound would feel great to her. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she was going for that because it felt good to her, not because she was getting pressured from somebody else to be able to do that particular instrument. It felt the sound felt good to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on to the next question. One of the things that I thought was really interesting that I see in some books and not other books is whether the author decides to give the character a diagnosis. Um, and I was just curious about like, you know, if you could talk a little bit more about your thought process with that in, you know, in the, in the diagnosis of Amelia. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, it really was a very intentional decision. One that I talked about at length with my editor, Catherine Ladone at Simon and Schuster and in conversation with therapists and teachers. In fact, my therapist friend was very, she also strongly suggested it's really better that you don't try to box the character in mm-hmm. because I don't have the direct experience with sound sensitivity. And so it, it worked better for me just to say, I can imagine on, on her experience, her experience. And I can, I want to make Amelia relatable to more people without defining it. And I want people to relate to her the character, the specific character, she's, she's not, um, she's, she's fiction and she is who she, how I created her. And so maybe people have different levels of experience with sound and that they still can come to the book and say like, oh, sometimes I feel like that. Or wow, I didn't know anybody ever felt that way. And so for me, that was where I came to that decision. Yeah, I think that's, I I like that though, because I feel like in a way, why do we have to like label everything, right? So I, I think in a way it's really good because it does leave it open to just kind of like how she feels and what she goes through. I mean, not even just her sound sensitivity, but I did want to bring up like the social skills um, component yes. in the book because I think that's something a lot of kids could relate to. I mean, I remember just like as a kid, right? Like everyone goes through kind of different friendships and what it feels like and, you know, kind of her feelings of loneliness a little bit, you know, like trying to find friends that she could relate to. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know, I just, I found that very relatable, um, that part. And I think that it's, that's why it's a great book for like any child to read, because I think that a lot of kids struggle with that, especially as they're getting to that tween teen stage. Yeah, because kids are growing and they're changing and maybe somebody that they were friends with when they were little, they may not, let's say, like be as close anymore. They may drift apart um, and, and that's OK. So I, I thought it was really great. Like, let's say the friendships that she made throughout yeah. the book. Um, and I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed those characters as well. Definitely. So her friendship with Madge, I had so much fun with that because Madge is loud and she's really funny and she's fearless. Like she asks questions and Amelia likes quiet and you just think, no way are these two going to become friends. And so for me, that was like a really fun part for Amelia's growth to learn, oh, you know, maybe I want to be with a best friend. I want a best friend who really accepts me the way I am and not, you know, like her other friend, Deb, came, became part of this duo. I don't, it sounds like you've had this experience. We all have this experience, right? As, a, as young people. Oh, you're not the same 
as when we were little, you know, now you've got a new best friend and you're dumped and, you know, yeah. it's such a, it's such a common experience for kids, but she finds a new friend. Right. And that friend doesn't always have to be exactly like her. Yeah. You could have a friend that's very different from, from yourself. So she yeah. may like quiet, but then the other thing too, is that she, you know, learns to be able to express herself. And if she feels like somebody is, you know, being too loud or it's uncomfortable, she's able to communicate that. I think that's like one of the biggest things that, you know, if we're sensitive to something, I think teaching as parents, teaching our kids to help advocate for themselves and say, you know what, I need a little quiet time right now, or this is too loud. Um, Because I think a lot of kids, they may say that at home, but I think we want to help kids advocate for that in the classroom as well. Because if they feel in the classroom like something's too loud or too distracting, they should be able to go and talk to their teacher and be able to, you know, communicate that, whether it's, you know, putting on some headphones or whether it's going to take a walk or maybe it's sitting in in a quiet classroom for a couple of minutes. Um, I think that is one of those things that I really enjoyed throughout the book is just her ability to advocate. Um, so, So the other question I wanted to ask was just, you know, when, when writing the book, what did you, what would you like children to, to learn from reading about Amelia and her experiences? Um, so I think we've talked a lot about this already. It, and to me, the, the biggest thing, um, I, I think my dedication page is to my husband, who I always say, who taught me to listen. Uh, I'm a bit of an interrupter. And I think that this idea that paying attention and really listening can open your heart too and help you understand people's feelings who are the same or who do not have the same experience as you. Of course, we just talked about the friendship and I really hope that books that, you know, kids don't have to learn anything from a book. I hope they also just love it, you know, for, you know, the kids and and their experiences. Um, But that's a big, that's a big part of it for me. But I have to say that from, the way I write, hope and compassion are always in my stories. So I believe that the characters in this book are demonstrating what it's like when you're kind to one another and that we can accept our different ways of experiencing the world. Right, exactly. And and I think also it's not totally uncommon to see somebody wearing headphones you know, right. but maybe, maybe within certain contexts, it's not as common. So maybe out on the street, you know, especially in the city, you may see that more, but maybe in the classroom, I think for other kids, maybe if they see another child wearing headphones and be like, oh, okay, maybe they're just a little sensitive to sound. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think a lot of kids could like learn. I mean, for me, like, like learn about like what that experience is like. Um, so yeah, so I, I, yeah, I agree. Great. I definitely agree. I, I also agree with your comment just about like being kind um, and being empathetic and just like that we don't like it's that it's a good thing to just be unique and to learn about different things. And I and I always say like I work with kids all the, every day that, it you know, kids are really non-judgmental. You know, I feel like they really open their their heart to, you know, all different types of different tools and different people. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to that question about the diagnosis, we, we have heard a little feedback about this one scene in the Boston public garden in which an adult is the one who has kind of a narrow 
mind about how children are supposed to behave. And so because of some feedback, my editor and I have agreed to actually revise that scene for the paperback and and, uh, hardback reprint. And the scene was really important to me because I think adults can sometimes be more narrow-minded about how kids are these days. And, um, but I wanted the mom to come through and really defend her. It's a growth moment for the mom. And so that has been preserved. And so I'm particularly proud of this new sentence that's in there that where Amelia thinks, hey, don't criticize me. My reaction to a loud sound is part of who I am. And it's the same as loving math and writing backwards and rereading books. And so I think there's really nothing more important to me as an author too, to listen and to do better, to really respect the neurodiversity of, of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that rewrite is a way of saying this book is important in the ways in which that people can open their hearts again to, to different experiences. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful book. So for, I mean, I, not only for, I would say middle grade, I love middle grade books. Like I love, I actually find like, I just, I I don't know. I probably like them more than adult books sometimes. Like I really do because I work with a lot of, um, I work with a lot of kids in middle school and high school. So I, I, I do love to, I do love like different characters and, and especially this book, I just, I really felt like I knew Amelia by the end of the book. And I felt like she's just very like a relatable character. Um, So I definitely recommend it um, for anyone out there who hasn't read Muffled. And so is there anything that you want to add before we finish up today? Yeah, I am a huge uh, fan of middle grade books too. And I always like to um, talk about other authors' work. Um, Song for a Whale is oh, by... Oh, I love Song for a Whale. I know, That's by Lynn Kelly. I love that book. So, yes. I mean, these are these are characters. This is about a, a, a girl who is deaf. And mm-hmm. so that is like, I was thinking of, if you're interested in Muffled, you might also be interested uh-huh. in Song for a Whale. And then this one might not be on your radar. It's a new book, a, a debut book, The Lonely Heart of Maybell Lane. And it's by... Um, Kate O'Shaughnessy, and she, this character, um, her name is Maybelle, and she collects sounds. It's it's really a sweet story as well. And so I, um, and I can't say enough about all the really great, wonderful authors out there who are producing beautiful stories these days. Um, And I encourage people to read a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, yeah. And I also just think that just to kind of add to that as well, like, you know, not just sort of like, I also think Muffled would be a great book to read in the classroom as well. Thank you. Yes. I, I, I think I, it could really be aligned with all, you know, with a lot of the, the, the common core um, goals and objectives. And I think it could also lead to really, I think, important discussions between kids um, between older kids and really talking about sort of like the, the character and the development and the sensitivity and the social skills and, you know, like the, their friendships and the development of it throughout the book. So I just, you know, want to add that as well, that, you know, not just for like leisure, um, but also for teachers, any teachers out there looking for some great um, middle grade books. I definitely think this would be an, a really great book to read in the classroom. Thank you. 
I, that reminds me that on my website, jengenary.com, uh, Simon and Schuster created a reading uh, group guide for teachers that provides some great exercises. And one of them comes straight out of the book, which is to collect sounds, to have your students say, what are your sounds that you like? What did you hear for a full day? And then to share those and to talk about the list of sounds that Amelia likes. You know, in the end, she, well, I shouldn't give it away, but there are some sounds that she knows she likes and there are sounds that she doesn't like. And that I think having students, that's just one of the fun exercises in that writing guide. That's great. Well, I'll have a link to that in, in the post. So everyone could, if you go to my website, you could just click on that. Um, and yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being here today and talking about your book. And um, I'm- Thank you so much. Four of your work. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime.